Today, I want to talk about a third trait of how God encourages us to manage our money. And that's through the use of good stewardship. And through Luke chapter 16, I want to make a case that stewardship, managing well everything we have, makes sense. It makes C-E-N-T-S and it makes S-E-N-S-E. Stewardship makes sense. And stewardship makes sense because stewardship is the foundation of discipleship. Stewardship means to manage, right? Discipleship means to be conformed into the image of Jesus, the disciple of Jesus. The way that we're shaped into the image of Jesus is by managing life well. Stewardship is the foundation of discipleship. You know, there are, there, are, there are two ways, if you will, that we can live our life. One is in chaos. The other is in faithfulness. And we see a lot of people living in chaos. And it doesn't look too comfortable, too good, does it? We see a lot of people living in faithfulness, and that makes a whole lot more sense. There are people who in their financial lives are living in that spectrum as well. The statistics show some staggering numbers about how many people are living in financial chaos. But the opposite of that, that God calls us to, is to live in financial faithfulness. And the key to financial faithfulness is being a good steward of what God has given to us. So Luke chapter 16. This is a great and bizarre story. It was written over 2,000 years ago. But today, in corporate America, we see the same thing playing out all the time. 16 verse 1. Jesus told this story to his disciples. He told it to those who wanted to listen, to those who wanted to be disciples, to those who wanted to get better. And he told them in the form of a story. Now, whenever we hear a parable, parable, whenever we hear a story, the first challenge is to try and figure out who we are in that story. All right? So, so, so in a few minutes when I finish, that's a challenge. Who, who am I in that, that story? It says there was a certain rich man. We'll call him the, the CEO of the company. Who had a manager... Handling his affairs. We'll call this man who's managing the affairs the CFO, right? It's probably what we'd call him today. One day, a report came to the CEO that the manager, the CFO, was wasting his employer's money. So the CEO called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. The first thing 
that we need to understand about stewarding towards financial faithfulness is that stewarding means that we have a responsibility. And it's a responsibility not to waste things frivolously. Not to waste things frivolously. Those who are living in financial chaos, often, not always, often, are doing so because they are wasting stuff frivolously. So the rich man is this CEO, and he probably went on lots of long business trips. And as was normal when that happened, you would empower someone else to look after your resources. Now, this man was very, very rich, very, very wealthy, so much so that Jesus defines him not by who he is, not by what he does, but by how much he has. He is rich. The first thing we need to understand is that the rich have a responsibility to steward as well. Do you ever think to yourself, man, if I only had X much more money, I wouldn't have to worry about this, right? Or if I had uh, an unlimited resource, right, then perhaps I wouldn't worry and stress so much about the small stuff that I seem to when it comes to money. The reality is, though, that often when we are rich, we have more worries. When we are rich, it certainly doesn't give us a pass on being a good steward, right? The rich, wealthy CEO, even though he's got more money than he needs, still has a responsibility to steward. Then you got this, this other guy the CFO, who probably isn't as wealthy, but he too has a responsibility to steward. In fact, you could make a point that he has a bigger responsibility to steward because he's overseeing someone else's money. Whether you're the CEO or the CFO, you have a responsibility to steward. Whether you're rich or making it day to day, which this other guy is, you have a responsibility to steward. First thing about stewarding responsibility that whoever you are, you got a responsibility to do so. To act frivolously towards your finances will throw you into chaos. Second thing about being responsible we see from this story is that you got to invite some accountability into your life. It says the CEO went to meet with the CFO to hold him accountable to what he was doing with the money. Increasingly in our society, accountability is becoming more and more important. Now, a lot of the time we say, hey, I'm good. I don't need accountability. But we become lesser people when we do. Recently, there have been lots of stories in the news about uh, what's happened when there hasn't been any accountability. You've heard of uh, the Urban Meyer situation, right? Ohio State, right? He technically didn't do anything illegal. One of his coaches did. But he took too long holding the coach accountable 
and he's getting more heat now than the coach. Why? Because accountability matters. There's a church that I'm connected with in, in Chicago called Willow Creek Church. It's been a flagship of so much good that's happened in church world over the last few years. And recently it came out that the pastor had been doing some very inappropriate things and that in itself is terrible. But he's not getting as much heat as his elder board who didn't hold him accountable, right? Accountability matters. If we want to be responsible stewards, then like the CEO here, we have to embrace accountability. I believe here that the CEO gives us the perfect picture of what accountability looks like. And there are, there are two kinds at play. One is an What's the word I'm looking for? Formal accountability. Because he sits down and he says, hey, look at this, this is a problem. But secondly, there's an informal accountability as well. Because it says that, that he hears reports. You, you know, so often when we hear reports of wrongdoing, our tendency is to push it away, brush it under the table as gossip, Right? But this CEO engages in his three-step process, which I think is, is, is so, so good for us. First of all, he says, I've listened to the rumors, right? I've listened to what people are saying. I want to check it out. That's the first step. He, he's paying attention to what people are saying. He's not bearer, be, man, I'm having trouble getting my words out today. Bury, be, what's the word? Burying, burying? What do you guys say? Burying, burying, burying. I don't want to say burying. Same kind of thing, right? Yes. You say tomato, I say. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, I need to apologize. Apparently, last week when I was talking about trains, I was saying uh, depot rather than depot. Yeah, all right. All right. It's a north of England thing. <laughs> all right, so the first step of accountability, he's listening to people, right? He's not pushing it away. Second thing, he's finding out the facts. He sits down and says, hey, show me what's really going on here. And then when he sees what's really going on there, he has a conversation that leads him to fire the guy, right? Because he's holding the future accountable as well. Uh, let me just kind of summarize this quote. James, can you pull it up? Because I can't remember it, but it's really good. There we go. This is what he does. When extending accountability, we listen to what's happening we find evidence for what's happened and we discuss what needs to happen next, right? We follow those three things. I, I, I think we're, we're starting to hold each other accountable. Well, the sad news for the CFO, though, is that this accountability has exposed him. And without criticizing who he is, he says, you're just not fit to work here anymore. Why does the CEO do that? Because he's got a responsibility to steward his stuff well. The first thing we need to understand about stewardship, leaning towards financial faithfulness, is that we have to steward responsibility. That was true of the rich owner. That was true of the, 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 the manager. And we hold people accountable to being Responsible. Stewardship is responsible. It means that we're responsible. We, we, we don't just uh, frivolously waste our stuff. 
our time, our talents, our treasure. When we do, that gets us into chaos and away from financial faithfulness. You tracking? First thing this teaches us about being a good steward is that a good steward is someone who thinks and acts responsibly. Second thing that we learn is that stewarding stuff must be done with integrity. And the CFO who's about to be fired doesn't have much of that. So he gets fired, probably goes back to his office. For some reason, the CEO is merciful and gives him maybe a couple of days, a couple of weeks to kind of clear his desk. And the guy goes back to his desk and he's scratching his head. And he says in verse three, now what? My boss has fired me. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Uh, and we're, we're allowed into some of his inner monologue. He says, I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. I'm not sure what to do. What he's saying is, I got a problem. (laughs) I've been writing Easy Street, swindling these books for too long, and now I've been confronted with it. Man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm I'm, I'm too old. I'm, I'm honestly too lazy to go and do some manual labor, he says. And I'm too proud to go and beg. What am I... What am I going to do? And he's highlighting for us that laziness and arrogance are a paralyzing combination. There's no integrity in what he's doing, right? He's saying, I'm too lazy and I'm too arrogant. I got to find another way. And so this is the way that he chooses. He says in verse four, I know how I will ensure that I have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. Verse five, this is what he did. So he invited each person who owed him money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe my master? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager says, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. You see what he's he's doing here? He's actually being very sly. It's not like um, he fudges the numbers himself. He says to the person who owes the money, you fudge the numbers. It's another level to kind of protect himself, right? To hide behind. It reveals he's got no integrity. The first one, he reduces uh, 50%. The second one, by 20%. It's not his money he's losing. It's his employer's. So he doesn't care. And the fact that he doesn't care means there's no integrity in how he's stewarding. It was a... It was a dumb decision because sooner or later the CEO was going to find out, right? But the point here, the lesson here is that he wasn't stewarding with integrity. He wasn't being honest. 
If we want to steward well, we steward responsibly. That's what the CEO did. And we steward with integrity. That's what the CFO didn't do. You know, I think the thing that revealed a lack of integrity most about this guy was not that he was messing with his master's money, was not that he was canceling debts that he couldn't cancel, but that he was manipulating his friends for money. You know, his idea was, well, hey, no one really likes me. So if I can give them a break on what they owe my boss, maybe they will like me. And maybe because I'm too lazy to, to dig ditches and too proud, to, too arrogant to beg, well, maybe they'll put me up. Maybe, maybe they will open their homes and their lives so I can live on easy street with them. I think that's a terrible crime to manipulate relationships for money. You know, one of, the, one of the rules that I have kind of like inside myself, it's not on any paper or any document. But I don't like people selling stuff in church, right? I've lost count of the number of times people have said, hey, can I sell my uh, pampered candles or whatever it is? Pampered chef. Yeah. And what's the candles? There's a candle thing as well, right? What is it? Yankee or all that kind of stuff, right? In fact, I had a teacher who I've met from the elementary school reach out to me a couple of days ago. And honestly, we're Facebook friends, but that's about all I know of her. And she said, could I come to your church one Sunday morning? That's fine. I would love to see you and, and, and sell my stuff. It's like some, I don't even know, stuff, right? And I'm like, you know, I'd love to see you at church, but I don't want you to come and, and, and manipulate people, Right? I don't want you to see people that I love as ways that you can make money, right? Because it's manipulating people. And I think that's arguably a worse crime than what he's doing with the money. Because, because people matter most and relationships are most important, right? Stewardship, the CEO says, is all about taking responsibility, Stewardship is also about having integrity as the CFO doesn't show us. That means we're honest, not just in our financial dealings, but we're honest in our relationships as well. I pity this CFO. He's not stewarding faithfully and his life is on a fast track to chaos, right? What, what he was doing by manipulating these friends he was trading long-term security for a short-term pass. Stewardship does the exact opposite, right? We steward well. We live with integrity. We take responsibility because we're focused on the long game. And as Christians, right, who are awaiting eternity with God, we're all about the long game. Integrity at best is always a short-term solution. But the invitation is to steward well, to be responsible, to steward with integrity. And finally, the story wraps up by encouraging us to steward honestly. 
This is how it concludes. Verse 10. If you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in larger things. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We steward with responsibility. We steward with integrity. And we steward with honesty. There's a confusing little passage here where in the story, the rich man admires him for being shrewd. And I think what's happening there is he's kind of praising, well, I guess you did something. But he's certainly not, not uh, praising the character of being shrewd. Because shrewdness, as it's used here, is the exact opposite of stewardship, right? Shrewdness says, I'm going to do something that benefits me. Stewardship says, I'm doing something that's going to benefit everybody, not just the short term, but the long term. And so he says, let's get honest about this, Jesus says as he wraps up the parable. He says, little things matter. Because if you don't do the little things well, then you're never going to get a shot or have a chance of doing the big things well. He says, if you're not honest with your responsibilities, then your responsibilities will shrink rather than increase. If you're not faithful with someone else's things, there is no way in the world that God's going to give you the things of heaven to be faithful with as well. And he says this verse, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. And I think the key word here is serve. Because the reality is in this life, we have all kinds of masters, right? We have bosses and parents and spouses and children. <laughs> we have responsibilities and things that we've got to do that master us. Jesus is not saying, hey, it's wrong, you know, it's life to have lots of masters. But you can really only serve one. So you got to choose who you're going to serve. Scripture is really clear on who we're to serve, right? And it's not money, and it's not our stuff, and it's not our boss, and it's not our family. It's first God. 
And the challenge here that, that Jesus is trying to teach us is that if we want to be good stewards who are honestly trying our best to be faithful and avoid the chaos that mismanagement brings, we have to uh, align our priorities around seeking God first. What does Jesus say elsewhere? Seek first the kingdom of God and then everything else will fall into line. You know why we live in financial chaos so often? Because our priorities are so jumbled up. If we want to steward, we have to do so honestly. We have to uh, not prioritize, how do I say this better? We need to prioritize the right things, right? And that starts by putting God first. Ultimately, stewardship is not about how well we manage our stuff. It's about our ability to let God be God in our lives. If there are other priorities, if there are other stuff that we have made first, then we need to reorder. Because stewardship and discipleship is first, as Jesus says, about honestly putting him first. Does that make sense? It makes sense for us to be good stewards. If we're not managing well, we're living in chaos. If we are stewarding well, we're moving towards faithfulness. The story about the CEO, the CFO, reminds us to steward with responsibility and not waste stuff frivolously. It reminds us to steward with integrity and don't manipulate selfishly. And it reminds us to steward with honesty and don't prioritize usurpingly. Now, usurpingly is not really a word, but usurp is. And unfortunately, our problem with mismanagement comes because we usurp, we turn upside down our priorities. I think I shared a couple of weeks ago. It's worth sharing again because it's a good point. I want you to hold on to it. Oswald Chambers, right? Alan and I going through his devotional. He said, these are our priorities. Number one is God. Number two is God. And number three is God. And he's making the point that if God is first, then all these things, all this stuff, all our finances, all, all our use of time fall into their right aligned order. Order. 